There was one night when um, my daughter, a long time ago, when Janelle was little, and we had asked her, hey, it's time to go brush your teeth. And, and she went to go, but then she hesitated because to get to the bathroom, you had to go down the hallway. And she didn't want to go down the hallway to get to the bathroom because, well, what she said, well, I, I, don't, I don't want to go because it's dark. Yeah. And of course, we could just flip the light on. But I was thinking about that. Remember those moments? Remember those times, you know, whether it's like that dark closet in the room or, or when the lights go out and you think about, oh, what's under the darkness under my bed or, you know, things like that. When, when fear grips us and, and we're overwhelmed with that anxiety and worry and how the darkness, it spells trouble and evil and something's lurking there. Well, in our study in the book of Luke, Jesus goes right out into the last night of his life, where, you know what, the power of darkness and evil are coming for him. And we're going to see the disciples also face the darkest night of their life. And so I've titled our message tonight, The Darkest Night, The Darkest Night. And they're going to face trouble. They're going to face trouble and trial. We're going to be studying Luke chapter 2 from verse 39 through 62 tonight. We're going to take a pretty good chunk here. Uh, I thought uh, we, I better get moving a little faster as we've been going, but I, I see it as one set. So Luke 22 from verse 39 all the way to 62. And this is the three things we're going to see, in, and this is our outline. Number one, the battle in prayer. Number two, the betrayal and arrest. And number three, the bitter weeping. And so these are the three things that we're going to be looking at, but also they're going to wrap into our points. So let's begin here. The darkest night, let's begin with the battle in prayer. The battle in prayer. Now, for this section, we're going to be covering verse 39 through 46. The battle in prayer, 39 through 46. But first of all, let's just read verse 39. It says here in Luke twenty-two thirty-nine, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. So let's stop right there. We begin with how Jesus and the disciples came out. Having eaten the Passover meal, and we saw in the last weeks how all the things that happened in that and then how like Passover's changed the communion and Jesus was teaching them things, these prophetic words for Peter, um, disciples, everyone. So they came out of where they had their Passover meal with this uh, last time Jesus spent with them, this last teaching. And it says here that they went to the Mount of Olives. Now that's heading east. From Jerusalem city, where they were at, they headed east through the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives, the hill, which is just past the Kidron Valley there. And so it was as his custom now. In other words, many times Jesus and his disciples 
they went to the Mount of Olives here. They went to a certain place and they would go to what the other gospel tells us, Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane, which is mean which means olive press. So they headed there, which was what they usually did. And if you think about it, Luke writes here, as was custom, this is what they normally did, that this was a stop they made. Judas would know exactly where they would be at this time. You see, what we're coming into is time had come for Jesus to suffer and die on a cross, for all the events to transpire, to end up, yeah, this is the last night of his life, Thursday, uh, so that it end up on Friday, by nine in the morning, he would be hanging on the cross. So time had come for Jesus to suffer and go into, to die on the cross for our sins. And really, this was a time for the power of darkness. Now you remember Judas had already made a deal with the religious leaders to betray Jesus. And so he was looking for a private place, right? So the public wasn't around, yeah? Where they could come and grab Jesus. So Jesus could be arrested. And, and so this was the place. This was perfect. This is where Jesus normally went. And it was away from the public. It was late at night even. Everyone else was asleep. But it was this private place, Gethsemane, that they would go to this, uh, the disciples would normally go. And you know, Judas was looking for that, a, a place to arrest them. We, we remember that uh, that's why Jesus had sent Peter and John to prepare for the Passover earlier in this chapter. And that was like a secret location. Only Jesus, Peter and John knew, and Jesus led them there once the preparations were made. And so even with Judas there, he, he didn't know where, so he couldn't really tell uh, the, the, the religious leaders to go here to grab Jesus. But this was the place. This is what he's heading to. Time had come for Jesus to suffer. So for these next events now, they'll unfold really into the darkest night for all of their lives, Jesus and the disciples. So then it says in verse 40 that, let's read there, and when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So here we come to that event for Jesus' life in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed. When they got to the place, that's Gethsemane, Jesus called the disciples to pray that you may not enter into temptation. They were to pray for strength against the temptation that was coming. Jesus knew and had been warning them what's going to happen, right? He was he said, go and pray because you know what's going to happen. Basically, they're going to be tempted to run away in fear when he's arrested. They're going to be tempted to deny any connection to Jesus. And then they're going to be all confused and doubt Jesus even. So that, that's what was ahead for them. So Jesus is saying, hey, pray that you may not enter. Or the word enter means to give into this temptation. And so the only way to prepare for what is coming is to spend time in prayer. 
Well, that's what Jesus went to do. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw. In other words, he, he went a little farther on as far as you could throw a stone. He went farther on to be alone and pray alone to the Father, pray by himself. The other gospel really tells us that, that first he took Peter, John, and James aside, a little farther away from the others, told them, you know, pray that you might not enter uh, temptation. Then he went on even further to be alone in prayer. So being alone, away from everyone else, he knelt down and he prayed. And what did he pray? Well, in verse 42, saying, Father, the Heavenly Father he's praying to, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. What is this cup? Well, he's speaking about drinking the cup of suffering, drinking the cup of, of the pain he's going to go through, drinking the cup of death when he takes on the sin of the world and pays the price and the penalty of sin by dying on the cross for all of our sins, for the world's sins. With what he's saying, Father, if you're willing, yeah, remove this cup. It's like, you see Jesus' human side here. He didn't want to go through this. He didn't want to face the pain. He, he didn't want to go through the suffering. That's, that's not anyone's choice. I mean, humanly speaking, that's none of our choice either, right? And so here Jesus, knowing what he's going to step into, knowing what he has to drink, so to speak, all that stuff stress on him all the dread of what's coming he's like god if you will god if you will can you take this can we change this if that's your will but then in verse 42 he says these incredible words nevertheless not my will but yours be done Actually, I think it was in Mark, um, the other gospel tells us, he went back and forth to the disciples. and uh, uh, Three times he'd pray, Lord, if, if, you, if you can take this away, if there's anything else we could do, if there's any other way to complete this mission, you know, I'll, I'll do that. If I don't have to do all this, but if this is what you want, let your will be done. Three times he went back and forth. But every time he came back, not my will, but yours be done. You know, it wasn't just taking all the sin, yeah, the world's sin upon his body, going through that suffering, going through death, going through the torture, yeah, going through that pain, yeah. It wasn't just that, you know, taking on the world's sin, but as Jesus takes on our sin, he will also be separated from the Father. He knew that was coming too. In Mark 15, 34, at the ninth hour, it says, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was at that point on the cross, Mark records that, that the Father turned his back on Jesus because all of our sins was upon him. And the Holy Father could not look upon Jesus like that. And there was a separation in that relationship. Think about this. This is the Trinity. Yeah, From eternity, they were one. They were together. 
But at this moment, as Jesus in his humanness, in his flesh, as he took upon the sin and was dying for us and took upon our sin, the Father had to turn his back. The Holy God had to turn his back on the Son of God who was taking the sin, our sin upon him. So can you imagine what's going on here? What's going on here? It's not just the, the sin he's going to take. It's not just the suffering and pain and death, but, but this relationship with his father being separated there. Isn't this amazing? Verse 42, once again, Jesus says, if there's any other way, if it's your will, God, we could, we could complete this mission, but nevertheless, you know what? Not my will. Not what I want, but yours be done. And then look at verse 43 and verse 44. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. You know what I like here? When Jesus came to this place and said, You know what? Not my will, yours be done. Yeah. God sent this angel. Yeah? He was struggling. He was struggling three times. I think Jesus finally settled into, you know what? Not my will. Yours be done. And at that point, I believe that's when God sent this angel to strengthen him, to comfort him. You know, I think about at the end of the temptations of the devil that came to him way back, you know, early on uh, in, in Luke we saw or in Matthew chapter 24. You know what happened? After all the temptations he went through and the battle he did, God sent an angel. And so even here, when Jesus, I believe, resolved, no, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do your will, God sent this angel strengthening him. He was still in agony, he was still in anguish and stress, but, but even in that, it wasn't like, okay, your will be done, I'm good. No, there's still that battle, but he's... he's, he's forcing himself. He's making that choice. No, I'm going to do your will. I'm going to do your will. And he prayed more earnestly. In other words, he prayed harder for more strength to go through in doing God's will here. And you know what? The, the, the stress, the pressure was so much that we read here in verse 44 that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Commentators say this is a, a, a condition called um, hematidrosis. It's a condition when you're under extreme like mental stress and emotional pain and suffering and pressure that your capillaries actually burst and mix in with the sweat, sweat glands and, and you actually start to sweat blood, blood and water together, blood and sweat together. And Luke writes this, understanding that this is what Jesus was going through. This is how heavy this was on him. This is to get a picture of, of what, how much mental, emotional, spiritual stress and pressure. This was the battle he was going through, knowing what he has to face, knowing what he has to suffer knowing he has to take on the sin of the world and be separated from the Father. Can you imagine that? I think it's hard to imagine. Yeah, Jesus was 
under so much at this moment. I mean, I was thinking I've been under some some things and stress and overwhelmed with things, but you know, this is like a thousand times more than ever maybe any of us have gone through. You know, last Sunday, um, Kristen and I, we were leading the Kekian worship, and the very last song we did was Here I Am to Worship, you know, the old old song by Chris Tomlin. And, and reading what was going on here made me think of the bridge of that song. Do you remember the bridge? It says, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. I don't think we'll ever fully understand, but we can get an idea if his, if his sweat will turn to blood. If he was under that condition, wow, with all that he's facing, it must have been incredible. Well, verse 45 and verse 46, it says, And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. When Jesus came back from his solitary prayer and he came back, he found the disciples were, were sleeping, not praying. Yeah. And why? Why is that? Well, Luke writes because of sorrow. Now, it could be at this point they were sad, they were grieving. I mean, all that Jesus had told them maybe was starting to sink in. Maybe they could even almost feel the darkness coming. The powers of darkness were on the move here. Yeah. And I, I, I almost picture that. They could almost feel this. They, they were confused with all this. Yeah. Wait, wasn't he supposed to be the Messiah? Wait, what's going on? Something's not right. And perhaps they're in grief and sorrow and they're sad and, and they didn't want to deal with it. And so they, they went, they were falling asleep. I mean, they'd been up all day. It was very late at night, and it was, it was also, you know, it was probably like 2, 3, I don't know, very early in the morning. Um, it could have been 12 to 2 or maybe 12 to 2 in the morning. So they were tired already. But Luke says, for sorrow makes me think. I think they had a feeling yeah, you know, like Star Wars, I got a bad feeling about this, you know, kind of thing. I think they, they could almost sense the darkness coming. But isn't this sad? Jesus is saying, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. You know, what, what Jesus needed the most when he was facing the most darkest moment of his life, yeah? I mean, he's, he's like, I could... Father, please, if you will, I don't want to go through this. I'd rather not. But no, not my will, but yours be done. This is the darkest moment in his life. When he needed the most, they were sleeping. And what the disciples needed most in the coming of this darkest moment of their life, yeah, they were sleeping. They should have been battling in prayer. So Jesus said, get up, you guys. Get up, rise up, pray. Can you hear Jesus calling us today? Yeah. yeah. Get up in the morning, pray. Yeah. Pray so you won't give in to temptation. Fight against the temptations that is going to come in your day 
the temptation that will, will, will try and get you to stray from God and not do God's will. You know what? Fight against that temptation to run, to, to deny me, to, to doubt me. You know how? By battling on your knees. That's the fight. It's in prayer. This is what I want you to see here. The battle in prayer is to come to the place where you make the heart choice to God's will, not yours. Where you make this, 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 this choice, this heart choice. Yeah? This, this, this choice to do God's will and not yours. I want you to see this. This is what's coming out to me here as I study this. This is, this is like the point here. Warren Wiersbe wrote, We surrender our wills to God through disciplined prayer. Think about this. This is what I want you to see. Jesus was battling huh? what? To do the Father's will. Not what he wanted. Jesus was battling, God, I don't want to go through this. I'm facing my biggest fear and dread. Yeah. I don't, no one wants to go through suffering and death, and especially, look at Jesus taking the sins of the world upon him. And then Jesus calls on the disciples Hey, you guys are going to, you're going to be tried, and, and, and when I'm arrested, all this is going to happen. You're going to go through the, the most confusing, scariest times when I'm arrested. You're going to be tempted to give in to doubt and to run and to, to, to deny me. To wonder, did I believe in the right thing? You're going to go through all this. But you've got to pray for God's will in your life. In other words... You know what? You and I, we need to hear the call to, to, the, to battle in our own mind and heart, to be willing to let go what we want and step into God's will. Do you, do you understand that? See, Jesus was heading into that suffering and shame, pain and even death. And I have to ask myself, am I willing to do God's will, even if it means I'm going to suffer? Even if it means I'm going to be shamed? Even if it's not going to be fun, I'm going to go through some pain? Yeah, I don't know about you. I'd rather stay comfortable. Yeah, I'd rather do what's, well, what comes, what's more convenient, right? I hate pain. I hate getting sick. I hate and anything where I might even suffer a little bit. Yeah. I don't I don't want that. But what if the Lord's saying, Well, you gotta go through some trouble for a little while? What if you see it coming? And God and you're praying, God, if it's your will, please don't let it happen. Please take this away, Lord. Are we willing to say, nevertheless, not my will, not what I want, but let your will be done, even if it means suffering, even if it means pain for me, even if I'm not going to be comfortable about this, even if it means my shame, yeah? 
Are we willing to surrender that to the Lord? What we want, our comfortableness, our, 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 I, how about, I want it to work this way, right? But God's saying, mm, we're going to do it like this. Are you willing to lay that before the Lord say, not my will, but God, your will be So you see this prayer time, this battle in prayer really was a battle for that. It was a battle to lay down your will and do the Father's will. It was a battle for the disciples to, to they wanted this to happen, but it's not going to happen this, the way they thought. God has his will, and Jesus is to be arrested and die on the cross. Are they willing to give that up, what they want, to the, and do and follow and accept the Father's will. That was really the battle going on. Over in Mark 14, 38, Jesus said, hey, wake up, because you know what? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yeah, yeah. Our spirit, what we want, yeah, okay, God, we want your will, but our flesh is weak in that. Do we really accept and give in to the Father's will? So look, the battle in prayer, what we see here is to come to the place where you make that heart choice to God's will, not yours. Not yours. Well, let's go on. In this darkest night, we see the battle in prayer. Let's go to the betrayal and arrest. The betrayal and arrest. Here we're going to be covering verse uh, 47 to 53 47 to 53 take a look at verse 47 while he was still speaking there came a crowd and the man called judas one of the 12 was leading them he drew near to jesus to kiss him but jesus said to him judas would you betray the son of man with a kiss let's stop right there so now as jesus was speaking saying you guys wake up pray you know get up you guys as he spoke then came a crowd. They came to arrest him. What is this crowd? Well, verse 52 actually tells us it was the chief priests, yeah, the high priests, the, the leaders there. Uh, it was the temple police officers, basically. It was also other elders of the Sanhedrin, the ruling religious body, that, uh, leaders like, like Pharisees and all. Matthew 14, 43 says there were scribes. There was other Pharisees there, the lawyers. And Matthew 14 tells us there was a detachment of Roman troops that also came. So when Luke writes there's a crowd, commentators say there could be anywhere from 600 to 1,000 men here coming to arrest Jesus. That's crazy. Their servants, everything we're going to see, the high priest servants are there too. And they were all led by who? Judas. One of the twelve. Luke writes again, one of Jesus' own guys now. Yeah. He came near to Jesus to kiss him. To give him that customary Middle Eastern kiss on this cheek. And that, why did Judas do that? Well, that was to help everyone else know, the ones who came to arrest Jesus. It was to indicate which one was Jesus. 
Now, some commentators say because it was dark, it was nighttime, you know, so oh, everyone kind of looks the same here, you know. But also, it, it, it could be to identify Jesus, but to make sure that they arrest the right guy, right? That it's not like one of the other disciples standing in so Jesus could run away. But it also tells us, notice, that Judas had to identify and point him out that way. So that what? Uh, I mean, that. so we understand that, you know what, Jesus was like the other guys. He didn't have a halo over his head, you know. He didn't glow in the darkness there. And here's Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? You know what, I think Judas looked him in the eye. Can you imagine God looking you in the eye? Judas calling him by name saying, you're going to betray me? You're going to betray the Son of Man, the Messiah of God, with a kiss? The kiss was expression of friendship and love. That's what it was. That was the customary greeting. Jesus is like, is that what you're going to do, Judas? You know what Jesus is doing? Jesus exposed the true darkness in Jesus's, uh, Judas's heart. Jesus just exposed, you're going to betray me like that? I know what's going on, Judas. I know what's going on in your heart. And so Jesus really exposes the darkness in Judas's heart. And then verse 49, And when those who were around him saw, that they would, uh, saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. So when those, as the disciples that were around, Jesus saw what was going to happen. They came to arrest Jesus. Here's this mob, right? Here's, here's all these this Roman soldiers, the temple police guys. They've come, swords and clubs and all of that. They've come. They knew what's happening. They're like, Jesus, Lord, shall we strike them? Shall we fight with our swords? Remember, they said, we got two swords, yeah, early on. And Jesus is like, that's not what I was talking about. You know, prepare for the spiritual battle that's going to happen. And they're like, we got our swords. Shall, shall we fight them? And before that, hearing the answer, one of them, yeah, grabs the sword and cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant. We know in John chapter 18 that this was Peter. John names Peter. Peter took the sword, you know. And I guess um, there's the joke, you know, that Peter, he's a fisherman. He's not a swordsman. He, he was probably going for the head, but only caught, caught the ear, you know. But here's Peter. Peter, right, trying to take care of things his way. Well, then Jesus says, no more, like, stop that. Stop it. No more. Put it down. That's not what I wanted. It's not the action to take care. And then Jesus, in one of the, really the last miracle, like you, you could say that he did, he healed the servant's ear, yeah, touching uh, um, the, where the ear was cut off and, and brought a new ear. And that was important because without healing the ear and diffusing the situation, the disciples could have been arrested, and that would have changed the whole plan of God here. Isn't this awesome that even when, when, while Jesus was about to be led away to suffering and death, 
he was still thinking of others. He was still wanting to heal. So then verse 52, Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come against him, have you come, out a, a, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. So then Jesus heals the servants here, and then he turns to everyone and says, Look, you guys, have you come to like arrest me like I'm some wanted criminal? Yeah? Like I'm one of the, you know, uh, most, I'm on the list of the most wanted. I'm on this robber. And you come with these swords and clubs because you got to defend yourself. I'm the most wanted. I'm this big criminal guy. He says, you know, if, if I was such a criminal like that, why didn't you just grab me when I was daily in the temple teaching? Why didn't you, if, if I was, the, you know, on that list of the most wanted, why didn't you just grab me then? We know the answer, right? Verse 2 of this chapter is because they feared the people. That's why they wanted to grab him privately because publicly the people could turn against them. So they decided, no, we want to do this privately No one, when no one sees and grab him. Jesus knew why they, why they didn't want to you know, grab, grab him like that. Jesus knew it wasn't like he was the most wanted so they got to bring all the soldiers and the temple police and everything. Jesus knew, but this is your hour. This is the time. This is the time that was already uh, planned or allowed, allotted by God. Time had come for Jesus to be arrested. And behind it all is the power of darkness. So you see, not only did Jesus expose the dark heart of the darkness in the heart of Judas. But Jesus exposes the darkness in their hearts. Yeah? They weren't really here for justice. They weren't really here to get this criminal. Yeah? It, it was the chief priests. It was their hypocrisy. They didn't like Jesus. They wanted to get rid of Jesus. They were jealous of Jesus. So the point is this. The betrayal and arrest only reveals their dark heart being pawns of the evil the enemy wanted to accomplish. That's what was going on. Jesus said, it's time. And behind it all is the power of darkness. So this betrayal, the arrest, it only revealed the dark, their dark heart, both Judas and the mob, being pawns of the evil the enemy wanted to accomplish. Jesus was exposing all that and their hypocrisy there. You know, years ago, uh, I remember I, was, I took my young daughter surfing at Hokipa, and it was a small day. It was an afternoon, and it was a, it was a perfect day for her, you know, learning and the level where she was. And uh, but you know, there was this guy that kept dropping in on her wave, <laughs> like she tried to take a wave, and guy dropped in right in front of her, and. And, you know, when it happened three times, it just bothered me so much. I got angry, you know. And I actually paddled up to him, and I'm like, come on, let her take the wave. Let the kids get the wave. I mean, it's not like it's epic and big, you know. Just, <laughs> I, I, I was really upset. Maybe it's part of my, 
you know, parents, we have our little protection thing that kicks in and everything. Well, later, you know, after I got a water and I was going home, went home, you know, I felt really bad. <laughs> I started thinking, oh, why did I lose it like that? You know, I mean, there's a lot of people in the water know that I'm a pastor <laughs> even, yeah. And then I, I started getting these thoughts like, oh, what if he showed up in church one day? That was the guy on the water, right? I'd be so ashamed. And, but you know what the worst thought for me was? How my anger might cause hurt that might turn someone away from God. And, and, and that was really hard, you know, for me, thinking about that. I think Jesus was really exposing their hypocrisy, Judas and this whole mob, the religious leaders, probably to hopefully convict them to see the wrong that they're really doing here. Yeah. I mean, it had to happen. It's, it, God knew it. It's part of God's plan. But, but, but to really expose this darkness in their heart that perhaps maybe later they would even repent of it. Think about how, how there were even those priests there, right? The chief priests and all, yeah? They were there. They should know better, yeah, doing this. I think about how I don't want my sinful fleshly actions to be used like a pawn for the devil's work. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, my sinful actions or anger be used I don't want to be a pawn for what the devil wants to accomplish. Not at all. So the darkest night comes and we see the battle and prayer, the betrayal and arrest, and now finally the bitter weeping, the bitter weeping. And here, this section, we're going to finish up in, from verse 54 to verse 62. Look at verse 54. Then they seized him and led him away bringing him into the high priest's house and Peter was following at a distance and when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together Peter sat down among them then a servant girl seeing him as he sat in a light and looking closely at him said this man also was with him but he denied it saying women I do not know him but a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with them, for he too is a Galilean. Verse 60, But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Well, here we see the, how Peter denies Jesus. Having arrested Jesus, they didn't bring him to like some so-called cell, yeah, uh, temple police station, none of that. You know what they did? In verse 54, they seized him, they arrested him, led him away, bringing Jesus into the high priest's house. Isn't that crazy? And we're going to talk about more of this next time, but they really they brought him to Annas' house. Now, he wasn't actually the high priest. His son-in-law, Caiaphas, was. But 
Annas was still considered the leader over all of this. He was like really like this mafia head. And again, we're going to get more into this next time in the next section. But so Jesus was brought there to the high priest's house to, to have a hearing, to, to, to stand before the, the big mafia head. Well, there's Peter following at a distance. And at this house, there was a courtyard. And so here's Peter kind of following, and he makes a way into the, the, this courtyard. And in the middle of this house and this place was a courtyard. There was a fire. And the servants and the attendants, they were all gathered around the fire, keeping themselves warm. It was the middle of the night, right? So Peter kind of comes in and sits down among them. Then there's a servant girl, verse 56. Seeing him in the light, probably the light of the fire, Looking closely, I wonder if she's like right next to him. Hey, hey, you're, you're one of them. You're one of the, the disciples. What Peter saying, verse 57, he denied it, saying, Women, I don't know him. The first denial. And then later, someone else saw him. No, no, you, you are one of them. Peter said, Man, I am not. Yeah? Second denial. Then Luke writes, well, after about an hour, yeah, still another person insisted, wait, wait, no, no, you are saying, no, you are certainly this man. You can see him pointing to Peter. No, this, this man, he is a Galilean. He too is a Galilean like Jesus. Now, I don't know if he looked like a Galilean, or maybe when he talked, maybe he said some words that he had the Galilean accent. He goes, no, you, you are, you're one of them because you're a Galilean. And what happened? Peter's like, I don't know anything about what you're talking about, right? Not at all. Third time, he denies Jesus. Number three, and what happened in verse 60? Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster and what was Jesus's prediction? Peter, you're going to deny me, yeah, for the rooster crows. Well, look for, at verse 61, verse 62. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows, today you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Verse 61, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. It could have been Jesus is standing, maybe before Annas. Maybe, maybe he's about to or he finished with Annas. And, and, and maybe he's in this, this hall or this, this room that's open to the courtyard. And right at that moment, in the rooster crows, Jesus could have just turned enough to see Peter. And Peter could see Jesus. And their eyes met. Can you imagine? It says the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine? What is that look? What was that look? Was it a look like, like just a look like that look was saying, See, I told you so. I told you, Peter, why, why don't you listen? Yeah? Was it this look of, Peter, you're done. Get out of my presence. I don't think it was. 
I think it was a look of compassion, a look of disappointment, but a look of still love on Peter. I think it was like, oh, Peter. Oh, Peter. But you know what? I prayed for you, Peter. I still love you. That's what I think. I think it was that kind of look. But Peter, he remembered, yeah? He remembered what the Lord said, what the Lord had prophesied. He remembered what Jesus had said only hours earlier. I think when he remembered that, do you, can you imagine what's going through his mind? Why didn't I remember this? Why didn't I think of what was going to happen here? Why didn't I think about it when I first denied him? Why didn't I think about this? But he didn't. You know why? Because of his pride, because of his overconfidence already. Remember, he was like, Lord, I'm not going to do this. I'll go to prison for you. I'll even die for you, even if the others deny you, not me. But you know what? I think the biggest reason is his lack of prayer. Yeah? Remember, Jesus said, hey, pray so you won't give in to the temptation. Maybe in prayer he would have been reminded of this. He would have been strengthened. Maybe he would have been humble. Yeah? God saying, hey, remember what I said, Jesus. Remember what Jesus said? You're going to be sifted. Oh, yeah. Maybe he would have submitted. Yeah? to what God was allowing in the will, in God's will, in Peter's life. So full of regret, Peter left and wept bitterly. He did the one thing he didn't want to do, the one thing he promised not to do, he did it. So what I see here, our last point is, the bitter weeping came from the regret of not listening and praying as Jesus told him. That's a deep regret. Yeah. And so he wept bitterly. Long time ago, I remember we, we used our tax return we got and um, I got Kristen a new laptop. <laughs> and I think you're using a really old one or something. And so we got a new one. And, and a few months later, I think it was, maybe, I don't remember exactly, but I was setting up the internet on your computer. And um, I, we got a new router, you know, and everything. And I was right there by the router. And it, the router fell down and hit her screen and shattered it. <laughs> and you know what? It was one of those things. I knew that was going to happen. You know, you can, I can see, I can see it, how it was all set up. But I, I, I didn't do nothing. And when I went, went and told her, I never forget, she was getting dinner ready. She started crying. <laughs> I felt so bad, you know. Um, I, I was, though, able to buy a new screen and fix it a week and a half later, waiting for a screen and everything, and YouTube and, you know, you know, instructions. I was able to replace it, praise the Lord. But I still think about that regret. I, I knew it was going to happen. Why didn't I not, you know, move the computer? I, I could see it. 
And I, and I still, oh, think about how you cried, Kristen cried. And she just started crying. I still feel that, you know. Oh, oh and, and that regret. And, you know, I, I think about wow, how Peter felt. I mean, I'm sure it was a thousand times more. And even probably more worse when he saw Jesus' face. Yeah. That Jesus was right there. You know, perhaps Jesus heard it all. Yeah. He was right there. Later, we know Jesus, uh, you know, was gracious and his forgiving words later um, after he resurrected. But right now, his heart is just weeping. I should have listened more to that little voice telling me, ah, it's going to fall on the laptop, but I didn't. Yeah. I should have listened. I, I, maybe I should have prayed even. Yeah. But I think that's what God is calling us to. Listen to what God's saying. Listen to what Jesus is giving us even here in our passage. Pray more. Pray harder so you don't cave into the temptation. Yeah. Pray and, and, and surrender to God's will. To accept what he wants and not fight it or else you're going to give in to that temptation and fall into doubt, wondering, God, is this you? Confusion. John Blanchard wrote, when we miss out on prayers, we cause disappointment to Christ, defeat to ourselves, and delight to the devil. I think that just brings it all together what we've been learning but let me say it doesn't have to be that way no matter what you're going through no matter what you're facing you can pray and God will get you through it God will I'll close with this a man walked through a cemetery on his way home uh, one night and he didn't notice that there was a new grave that was dug and he walked right into it, this. It was seven feet deep, and he couldn't get out. Hours later, and a farmer hunting possums walked into the same grave. Well, the first man silently listened to the farmer as he yelled for help, tried to get out, all that. Finally, the farmer quieted down. And the first man, which the farmer didn't know he was in there, reached over in the pitch black darkness and put his hand on the farmer's shoulder saying, you can't get out of here. <laughs> and before he could finish saying anything, you know what, guess what? The farmer got out. <laughs> hey, there's a way out. We might have to go through the darkness, but there's a way out. God gives us that way of escape, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And so the way out and the best way to handle all this is to listen and pray. So no matter what you have to face in God's will, with the help of God, you can make it through the darkest night. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this passage, even though it's hard to hear, it's hard to read, hard to think about what you are going through and what you went through with this, Lord.
and Peter's failure. God, at the same time, we see lessons, God. Lord, we can learn from Peter's mistake. We can listen and pray. Lord, we can learn from the disciples' mistake. God, we can listen and pray. We can learn from being over the mistake of being overconfident and not praying, Lord, because uh, that's going to result in failure. God, we can learn that you went through so much for us, that you still willingly laid down your life. You still, knowing you were going to suffer and be separated by the Father when you took on all of our sin, you still said, not my will be done, but yours be done. Lord, let us say the same thing, not my will, but let yours be done. God, if we've wandered away, bring us back to doing your will, not ours. As I pray right now, God, give us strength to do that. Let us remember Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And that's even go through the valley of the shadow of death, even going through the darkness. Because, God, you will give us the power to get through to the other side. Jesus, you are a victory. Yours is the victory. You have already won. And in your will, the troubles we go through, the trials, Lord, that we have, God, you are working a work beyond what we can imagine or see. But we know one thing, you are working. So, Lord, we surrender our comforts to you. We surrender our, our fears. We surrender our shame, God. We're willing, God, to be shamed. We were, we're willing to fight the fears. We're willing, God, because we want your will. We accept it even if it means all that. So, Lord, here we are, surrendered to you, God. Come, Lord, fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.